Follow me. The final grave is just around the corner. Thank God it's the last one. Symmetries give me the creeps. There's nothing to be scared of. We're not far from home. Look, you can still see the Vicarage Road floodlights. It was June 2012 in Hornet Heaven. Henry Grover, the man who founded Watford Rovers in 1881, was in Vicarage Road Cemetery with two recent arrivals, Bert and Barbara. They were ordinary Watford fans, brother and sister. Henry was taking them on a tour of the graveyard to see the final resting places of former Watford players. He'd recently become jealous of the success of Bill Mainwood's magical history tours to old Watford games, so he decided to start up a rival operation. This afternoon, Bert and Barbara were his first customers. Here we are, the magnificent climax of my new Natalie named Sarcophagus Safari. Here lies Arthur Grimsdale. Arthur played for Watford as a teenager before he went off to Tottenham Hotspur and won the FA Cup and became England captain in the early 1920s. Is it over? Can we go now? What? This is the pièce de résistance of my tour. We already know about Arthur Grimsdale. He played for us exactly a century ago in 1912. We saw his final game in a Watford shirt on one of Bill's magical history tours. That was an excellent tour. Gah! Why does Bill Mainwood get all the praise? His tour doesn't give you the whole picture of a man's life, whereas my tour does. You need to see that Arthur's final resting place is here, across the road from the stadium, to realise that he remained a true Watford man beyond his playing days, despite his greater success elsewhere. John Barnes, take note. But we already know Arthur's a true Watford man because he's here in Hornet Heaven. We said hello to him earlier on Occupation Road. Seeing his grave doesn't add anything, I'm afraid, Henry. Oh, ah, yes. I see. Oh, well, um, back to the drawing board, I suppose. In fact, Bill Mainwood told us that, excuse me, Barbara, but would you mind awfully shutting up about Bill Mainwood? I was just going to add that we already know that Arthur became a director of the club after the Second World War. I think that's a great thing. We could do with true hornets on the board instead of the blow-ins we've got at the moment. Bankrupt Baz and the salad salesman. Bankrupt Baz and the salad salesman? That sounds like the name of a band I don't want to go and see. Suddenly there was a scrunch of footsteps on gravel. Henry, Bert and Barbara turn to look. Whoa, take a butcher's at this bloke. I told you this place was creepy. Coming towards them, slowly, was a man in torn clothes and a black Watford FC baseball cap. His shoulders were hunched. His arms were hanging at his sides. He walked with stiff, lurching steps. His dazed eyes were bloodshot. Henry laughed. <laughs> Look at this fellow. He walks like Chris Awellamo runs. He's as confused and disorientated as Carl Dickinson with a football at his feet. The approaching figure came close. Suddenly he grabbed at them. Golly! And his teeth are as big as John Eustace's. Good Lord! Let's show him a clean pair of heels. Henry and Barbara hurried towards the cemetery exit, but Bert couldn't get away. The lumbering man in the Watford cap grabbed Bert by the neck. Bert fought gamely, but the man overpowered him and sank his teeth into Bert's throat, 
as Henry and Barbara watched. <laughs> Bert lay motionless. The man feasted. <laughs> Henry and Barbara ran in terror. Near the cemetery gates, on the tarmac path, they saw a half-eaten corpse in a blood-stained white Watford away shirt from 2003. Help! Henry cried. There's a zombie invasion in Hornet Heaven. Hornet Heaven Afternoon of the Living Dead Written by Ollie Wicken Read by Colin Mace Earth Year 2012 Henry and Barbara ran back along Vicarage Road and arrived at the junction with Occupation Road. We need to hide somewhere. There, Bill's hut. Just down the slope of Occupation Road, on the gravel to one side, was the Bill Mainwood Programme Hut. Henry and Barbara dashed through the open door of the shabby red porter cabin. Bill Mainwood was inside. Oh, hello. Lovely to see you. Can I get you a couple of programmes? I've just been tidying up my crate of 1997-98 aways. What a season that was. You should... Henry, what's going on? A zombie apocalypse, Bill, my old thing. That's what's going on. I beg your pardon. We just saw a Watford fan wandering in a daze, Bill. He was... Yes, I've noticed a few of those. To be fair, our football under Sean Dyche can be somewhat stupefying. Early in the season, people were trooping away from matches looking totally numbed by the experience, dead behind the eyes. Listen to us, Bill. What we've just seen was horrific. That's another word people have used about Sean Dyche's football at times. Listen, Bill, please. We're under attack from zombies. We need to board up the hut. Board up my hut? But how will Hornet Heaven residents get to games if they can't collect a programme from my hut? No, no, no. The Bill Mainwood Programme Hut has an open-door policy. Bill went over and opened the door. Oh, golly. This gentleman doesn't look very well. He's got blood running down his chin. That's the monster that got my brother. Quick, Bill, close the door! Bill didn't want to shut Watford fans out of his hut. He bent down and removed a set of 1935-1936 home programmes from their heavy wooden crate. He lifted the empty crate and swung it at the zombie. There. That's better. What have you done, Bill? Have you killed him? Is he dead? We're all dead, Henry. That's why we're in Hornet Heaven. Yes, but... but... Look, Barbara said, pointing through the door to the junction of Vicarage Road. There's more of them coming. Dozens. An army of lurching, undead creatures wearing an assortment of Watford replica shirts were staggering down the slope towards them. Ah, Bill said. 
Maybe we should shut the door after all, just temporarily. Henry, could you pass me the closed for lunch sign? No, I couldn't. I came in here not to be their lunch. Just shut the door, Bill. Right, let's break up some crates. We can use the wood and the nails to board up the inside of the door. Break up my beloved program crates. You can't. We have to board ourselves in. They know we're in here. My crates. Stay calm, Bill. Stay calm, stay calm. You know, Henry, this reminds me of a film I saw once. Night of the Living Dead. Oh, God. It's only afternoon at the moment. How long is this going to go on, Bill? How will it end? In the end, in the film, I think everyone was devoured by their murderers. <laughs> Bill. If I remember the story correctly, corpses were reanimating because of a high level of radiation from a crashed space probe. That might explain what's happening now. But shouldn't we be safe from that kind of thing in our parallel dimension of Hornet Heaven? And how can an afterlife paradise become a killing field? It's against trade descriptions. But you've got to remember the monsters are dead too, Henry. They're the living dead. What? I'm so confused. Aren't we the living dead? We're dead people living in Hornet Heaven. No, we're properly dead. The creatures are... Undead. So they're dead because they're in a heaven, but they're undead too. God, I'm as lost as Dale Bennett looks every time he plays. Don't worry. All you really need to know about zombies is that they're seeking victims so they can feast on our flesh. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Thanks for the clarification. But why are they here in Horny Heaven? What's this got to do with Watford Football Club? I think it's probably a bit early to say. Maybe when these creatures have gorged themselves on a few more throats... Stop! <laughs> That's enough, sir! Bill's 13-year-old assistant, Derek Garston, poked his head out from under a table. I can't stand your calm explanations of how we're all going to die horrible, gruesome deaths, sir! Derek, I didn't know you were here, young man. Why are you under the table? Because I'm scared, sir. When I saw a zombie earlier, I hid in here. And now there's a hundred, two hundred, maybe a thousand of those things, sir. The place is crawling with them, sir. Just like Watford's playing staff has been crawling with cheaply acquired journeymen and disappointing loanees under the current owners. Ah! Help, sir. They're here, sir. They're going to get us, sir. Calm down, my boy. Everything's going to be fine. It's not safe in here, sir. I'm going to make a run for it, sir. Derek got up and went to the door. He pulled at the wooden bar Barbara had just hammered into place. I'm... I'm, I'm going to take my chances, sir. I hope you're more efficient at taking your chances than Joe Garner in the season just gone, young man. You should try and emulate Troy Dino. He finished the season in a rich vein of goal-scoring form. <laughs> Yes, I've done it, sir. I'm out of here. Right, uh, time to stop, Derek, my boy. I've been acting calm to try and make things easier for everyone. In actual fact, this is a very dangerous situation, young man, and I... See you, suckers!
Derek, please, stop, please, my boy. Derek, this isn't a good idea, sweetheart. It's the only escape, miss. You lot can stay here if you want and end up as zombie food, but I'm breaking out. Ah, get off me! Get off me, Mr Zombie, sir! Oh, no. The mutants have got him. Derek, my boy. They've got Derek. This Hornet Heaven story is brought to you in association with the Bill Mainwood Programme Hut, the iconic porter cabin serving deceased Watford fans with programmes that can take them through the turnstile to all future Watford games and any game in Watford history. Enjoy browsing our crates of old homes and aways. You might find an obscure Anglo-Italian cup match from the 1990s or a floodlit friendly against European opposition in the 1950s. It's a treasure trove of delights. Don't be satisfied with the kind of experiences we've had in 2011-12 with its Sean Dyche anti-football and underwhelming cameos from David Murfin, Andy Wyman and Marcello Trotter. When you're a Watford fan, there's always better, often in the past and hopefully in the future. Come to the Bill Mainwood Programme Hut and if you quote the offer Mix Selection, I'll throw in a few non-Watford matches for times like 2012 when you might be wondering why you bother. So there we have it. I'll see you soon at the Bill Mainwood Programme Hut for all your programme needs. <laughs> Thank you, miss. You saved me, miss. Right. Let's keep you safe from now on, sweetheart. Barbara picked up the plank of wood that Derek had removed and started nailing it back into place across the door. Crikey, you're bleeding, miss. Did they, did they get you, miss? I'll be all right. And are you all right, sir? Bill was looking pale. He said, I nearly lost you, my boy. Barbara checked the barricade was secure. Right, everyone. We need to put our heads together and think our way out of this problem. We need to pull our brains. Yes, miss. <laughs> Before they eat our brains, miss. Let's start by trying to work out why this zombie invasion is happening. Any ideas? They all thought for a while. Well, I do wonder if it might be something to do with Lawrence Bassini and the Russo brothers. Bill eventually said. Or, as Barbara calls them, Bankrupt Baz and the Salad Salesman. Ha! <laughs> Mr Grover, sir! That sounds like the name of a band that I wouldn't want to go and see, Mr Grover, sir! I've already done that joke, I'm afraid, Derek. Oh! What do you think it might have to do with, Bill? I don't know exactly. There just seems to be some kind of parallel between a non-stop succession of businessmen feeding on our club to satisfy their greedy urges, and a zombie invasion. I know what you mean, Bill. In support of your point, bankrupt Baz does seem rather dead in the brains department. Well, if the invasion's something to do with the ownership of the club, what can we do from up here in Hornet Heaven, Bill? Not a lot, as far as I can see. Down on Earth, there's a family called the Potsos that are interested in buying the club. 
I guess we have to hope they're not the usual type of blood-sucking asset-stripping monsters. But waiting for new owners could take ages, sir. What do we do until then? Hunker down in here, I suppose, Derek. My hut isn't a bad place to hole up. We could call it the Bill Mainwood Zombie Shelter. I could get a nice new sign made. Oh no, they're back. And one of them's breaking through. Golly, isn't that your brother, Barbara? Isn't that Bert? Barbara saw her brother leaning through the gap in the splintered door. He had a huge bite wound in his neck. He had reanimated as a zombie. He was grasping at her, hissing ferociously. Barbara didn't hesitate. She picked up a spare plank from the wooden crate they dismantled. The zombie version of Bert flopped lifelessly through the gap. He's dead, miss. Um, you can stop hitting him now, miss. Right. The four of them stared at Bert's lifeless body wedged into the fractured porter cabin door. I'm so sorry, Barbara, Bill said. He was your family. Everyone in Hornet Heaven is my family. There wasn't time to mourn. Another zombie was trying to grab at them through the broken door. It's Arthur Grimsdale. They got Arthur. Derek stepped forward with another plank from the wooden crate. The zombie version of Arthur Grimsdale collapsed lifelessly through the gap on top of Burr. Bill, Henry, Derek and Barbara solemnly lowered their heads as they realised that several beloved figures from the club's history might have suffered grisly fates at the hands of zombies. No one was safe. Barbara looked up again. Through the broken door, she could see more zombies streaming down Occupation Road. Come on, she said. We need to keep the zombies away. How did the humans do it in the Night of the Living Dead, Bill? They used fire. The zombies were afraid of fire. Perfect, sir. I've noticed an old box of matches on the floor, sir, while I was under the table, sir. Derek scrambled under the table and emerged with the matches. Hmm. That's all well and good, young man, but what would we burn? Bill looked at the others. They seemed to be avoiding saying something. Why are you looking at me like that? I said, what would we burn? Henry said gently, Can you not arrive at an answer yourself, old thing? We're trapped in the Bill Mainwood program hut. Can you not think of some combustible material that might be to hand? No, not my programs. We can't burn any of my programs, not a single one. The Bill Mainwood Programme Hut isn't only a great place to browse programmes from wonderful Watford games, you can also handle programmes that are so rare that they don't exist anymore in the land of the living. 
Collectors would kill for them, although when you think about it, the only way they'll get their hands on the programme is by killing themselves. It won't surprise you to know that we even have team sheets from the very earliest Watford Rovers games in the 1880s. And that's because we have the complete set of every Watford programme or team sheet ever. And we pride ourselves on it. So there we have it. I'll see you soon at the Bill Mainwood Programme Hut for all your programme needs. No, Bill insisted. No programme shall be burned. Surely you could spare a programme that no one ever goes to, Bill. How about that 5-0 FA Cup defeat at Chelsea two seasons ago? Exactly, sir. That game's dead to every Watford fan in Hornet heaven, sir. No one remembers it even happened, sir. No, I can't. I just can't allow a programme to be destroyed. Barbara said gently, but don't you have multiple copies of every programme? Enough for everyone in Hornet Heaven to be at the game at the same time. We only need to use a few of the extra copies as fuel for fire. All right. In the circumstances. Bill went to the corner of the hut. He rummaged in a few crates. He brought out spare programmes from the four consecutive 1-0 defeats to them from up the road between 1979 and 1981. You can burn these. With pleasure, come to think of it, actually. Thanks, Bill. And now, an easier task for you. I've got a plan for us, you see. A plan, miss? To save the day, miss? To save our souls? What's the plan? The plan is to go outside waving burning programmes to ward off the zombies. That should get us safely across the road to the ancient turnstile. Then we can go through the turnstile to a game in the past where the zombies can't reach us. Genius, miss! Your task, Bill, is to choose a game for us all to go to. One that we'll enjoy spending a long time at until it's safe to come back. What a marvellous idea, Barbara, Henry said. What about the Kaiserslautern home game? Let's duck into the Kaiserslautern, have a nice cold pint and wait for all of this to blow over. Nice one, Henry, but to thank Bill for making the sacrifice of the programmes we're going to burn, we should let him choose the game we go to. Yikes! There's another zombie at the door, sir. Quick, sir. Make your choice, sir. Oh, dear. I, um, well, there are so many to choose from. Derek, set fire to a looting programme. Yes, miss. My pleasure, miss. By Joe, it works. They're frightened of fire. Hurry up and decide, Bill. The programmes won't burn for long. Oh, dear. There have been so many great games over the years. The programme Derek was holding burned down to his fingertips. He was forced to let it go. Right. Sorry, Bill. We haven't got time. Just grab four copies of the nearest programme to get us through the turnstile. Come on, everyone. Light your programmes. Here we go. Barbara, Bill, Derek and Henry burst through the splintered door of the Bill Mainwood programme hut. Troops of zombies were staggering along Occupation Road in the same way Watford fans had staggered home after the previous season's mind-numbing 3-0 home defeat to Southampton. The creatures encircled. Barbara, Bill, Derek and Henry brandished their burning programmes. The monsters recoiled at the sight of the fire and retreated, opening up a path towards the ancient turnstile. 
The four move forward, showing all the positive qualities of every successful Watford team in history. Determination, spirit and character. Individually, their characteristics mirrored the best of the 2011-2012 side. Henry was a tower of strength like Martin Taylor. Bill was as dogged as Lloyd Doyley. Barbara displayed the leadership of John Eustace. Derek showed the youthful verve of Sean Murray. They were brave. Collectively, they showed the same courage, warding off the zombies, as a member of the Watford staff had recently shown down on earth by refusing to allow Lawrence Bassini the keys to the club safe. Barbara, Bill, Derek and Henry arrived at the ancient turnstile unscathed and went through with the four programmes Bill had grabbed. They arrived at the most recent game Watford had played, the final game of the 2011-12 season at home to Middlesbrough. The four of them took seats in the rookery stand and settled down to watch the game as many times as might be necessary before it was safe to go back to the main part of Hornet Heaven. It was a fairly ordinary match, with nothing at stake for Watford. In the middle of the second half, Chris Oelamu flicked home a Troy Deeney cross to give Watford the lead. Borough equalised in the closing minutes, only for Watford to retake the lead at the death when Troy Deeney scored from a Craig Forsyth cross to seal the three points. As the game started for a second time, Derek said to Bill, Deeney scored four goals in four games to end the season, sir. Do you think that's a sign of a positive future for him and the club, sir? Bill was sitting in gloomy silence. He was finding it hard to see positives at the moment. Down on earth, the club fell at the mercy of its owners, while up in Hornet Heaven, hundreds of Watford fans and former players have been savaged by zombies and transformed into the undead for the rest of eternity. Henry tried to lift Bill's spirits. He said, You know, old thing, you did a selfless thing today. You sacrificed programmes so we could save our skins. I know how painful that was for you. Bill nodded awkwardly. I must confess, Henry said, recently I'd been thinking you were getting a little bit above yourself, what with your own hut and your magical history tours. <laughs> Earlier today I attempted an ill-conceived cemetery tour to try and peg you back a bit. But you've proved I was wrong about you, Bill, old thing. You've proved you're here for others, for the group. Thank you, Henry. But Barbara was the true hero, of course. I just wish there was something we could be doing to rectify the situation in Hornet Heaven. I feel powerless. Barbara said, Fans down on earth must be feeling the same while bankrupt Baz and the salad salesmen are in charge. Supporters don't get a say about who buys a club. We just have to hope they're not evil. Derek asked Bill, What do we know about this Pozzo family, sir, that you mentioned earlier, sir? The people who might buy the club, sir. Nothing at this stage, Derek, my boy. But if the zombie invasion is somehow connected to bankrupt Baz's ravenous preying on our club, the Pozzos might just save us. Let's hope they do the deal while we're here at this game, and soon. There's only so many times I want to witness how much confidence Scott Loach has lost in goal. Cheer up, sir. The Pozzos might bring in a new goalie, sir. A whole new team, maybe, Barbara added. 
playing scintillating football, Henry added. The four of them sat for a long time, dreaming not just of a Hornet Heaven return to normal, but of a Watford football club transformed by wonderful new owners. Many times Derek went back to the ancient turnstile to peer through at Occupation Road. Many times he saw generations of Watford fans in tattered clothing with gaping wounds roaming the tarmac. It seemed that he, Bill, Barbara and Henry might be stuck watching a meaningless end-of-season game over and over for the rest of all time. Eventually, though, on a trip to the turnstile, he looked through and saw no one. Occupation Road was empty. In the eternal sunshine, it was its shabby, run-down, glorious self. He rushed back to tell the others. Cautiously, the four pushed through the turnstile, clutching their Middlesbrough programmes in case they needed to go straight back. They stepped onto the pavement. They looked up Occupation Road. At the junction with Vicarage Road, they could see Watford fans behaving normally. Victorians in suits were striding purposefully. Hippies in 1960s floral wear were lazing about, laughing. Lamper, in his polo shirt and Dr Martins, was trying to start a fight. It looked as if everyone was all right. As if nothing had happened. As if these people hadn't been the walking dead as recently as yesterday. Bill took Barbara's hand and squeezed it gently in relief and gratitude. He was still concerned about his hut, though. He moved warily across the slope towards it. He saw the door was no longer broken. The whole hut was completely undamaged. He smiled for the first time in a long time. He turned to the others. The sight of a heaven of happy hornets and his squat porter cabin restored to its normal ugliness filled them all with joy. They embraced. Everything in Hornet Heaven was back the way it should be. And maybe, down on Earth, the club itself had new hope. They carried on walking to the top of Occupation Road. Any ideas what might have happened to end the crisis? Barbara asked the others. I'm guessing the Potsos must have bought the club, Bill said. Doing so will have wiped out the club's debt and wiped out the malign influence of bankrupt Baz. Maybe it also time-wiped the zombie invasion so that everyone has been reset to the way they were before, sir, said Derek. Sound thinking, young fellow, Henry said. All very plausible, though I do wish I could have been reset to the way I was before I embarrassed myself with my ridiculous sarcophagus safari idea. They arrived at the junction with Vicarage Road, outside the Red Lion pub. Barbara looked around. Soon she spotted her brother Bert. He was his normal self again. She ran up, with tears in her eyes, and hugged him. Bert! Oh, Bert! What's this for? What have I done? She stepped back. Henry, Bill and Derek arrived alongside her. You, uh, you don't remember what happened, Bert? Something happened. <laughs> Nothing ever happens around here. We end up going on useless cemetery tours with Henry Grover to try and pass the time, Henry said. Touché. 
Bert turned to the man he'd been chatting to. Here, Arthur. Do you know anything about something happening? The man next to him was Arthur Grimsdale, also his normal self in Hornet Heaven, in other words, a former Watford player, director and caretaker manager, with no bite wounds to his neck and without a pulped head from being bludgeoned to death by Bert's sister. I heard from a new arrival that someone new has bought the club. Italians, I heard. Italians? That'll please old Giancarlo. You know, the first hornet up here, Il Primo. Oh, he's a lovely man, Bill said. Him and Joni. Wonderful couple. Friends of mine for 130 years, I'm proud to say, Henry said. They all chatted some more, and then Henry, Bill and Derek left Barbara with her brother, discussing what the future might hold for the club under new ownership. Derek scuttled off, and Bill and Henry wandered back down Occupation Road towards Bill's hut. Well, Bill, old thing, I suppose we should count ourselves lucky it was only a zombie invasion. Only, Henry? Yes, Bill. We had Night of the Living Dead when we could have had much worse, if Hornet Heaven is going to be on the receiving end of awful things that happen in films. This is 2012, after all, Bill. We could have been beset by a series of cataclysmic catastrophes leading to the fulfilment of the Mayan prediction of the end of the world and the annihilation of mankind. Nonsense, Henry. We would have survived all that. At least one of us would. Really? How do you mean? Bill stopped on the gravel at the side of the road, just short of the hut. Look, someone's left behind some safety gear. He picked something up. It was a red plastic builder's helmet. Bankrupt Baz must have left this behind as he left the club. I'm going to keep it as a symbol of the protection every football club needs against owners like him. Bill put the red helmet on his head. There. We're safe. <laughs> Very good, Bill. Very good. And the shade of red is actually rather fetching, old thing. Like the very best colour of shorts. The two friends laughed as they strolled down the slope. Then they went into Bill's hut to choose another old Watford game to enjoy while they waited for the Pozzo era to begin. The End that was Afternoon of the Living Dead. Written and produced by Ollie Wickham. Read by Colin Mace.